Olsen fakes it for Pat and yes, touchdown to Greg Olsen. Wilson just got it away. There's Keith Lee. Touchdown, Carolina. Hello and welcome to the BNB Reaction Show. This is your second edition and second episode of this new little feature we've got, an extension of the Keep Sounding podcast. This is Brian joined by Brad. Brad, how are you doing? Surprisingly, I'm okay. Um, you know, we just got beat by the Bucks to go 0-2, but I'm not really that mad. Like I thought I would be, but I'm not. Yeah, I'm about the same. Like, um... <clears throat> So to break down the game for anybody listening who didn't get a chance to watch it. So the Panthers started off the game. They played defense. I believe they stopped them actually on the first drive. Um, And then beyond that, you know, it just the first quarter, Ronald Jones scored on a seven yard rush. And that was when the turnover started to happen. Um, Teddy Bridgewater threw a pick. There was a fumble. Um, The Buccaneers managed to score. Two touchdowns, one pass to Mike Evans and for 23 yards, one rush by Leonard Fournette for one yard. And then we got into the second half where it just seemed like Carolina was just going to get blown to pieces by a very high-powered Buccaneers team. Somehow, though, they came across and uh, they, scored a one, they scored a touchdown with Christian McCaffrey to put it to 721. I believe on the next, one of the next drives, um, Tom Brady threw a pick and Dante Jackson returned it for 44 yards, and then Christian McCaffrey ran in another touchdown, which is where he got injured. And Carolina suddenly looked like they were going to be back in the driver's seat. They were down 21 to 14. They managed to stop against the Buccaneers, and all of a sudden, all of us were believing they might actually have a chance to win this game. And then Teddy Bridgewater threw another interception. And the Buccaneers kicked a field goal with about six minutes left. Carolina tried to rally back and they managed a field goal prior to the two minute or right around the two minute warning. They couldn't get the ball back on what was really a pitiful onside kick attempt. And then Leonard Fournette ran the ball in from 46 yard out to really just tighten up the game and any real chance of Carolina coming back. So wasn't really a roller coaster of emotions as much as it was just like we went from uh we're gonna lose to oh we're in this again to oh we're gonna lose. <laughs> yeah, um, pretty much. Yeah. It was kind of a, I think it was kind of more a, a more realistic and sobering look at what Carolina is going to look like this year. Um, Teddy Bridgewater threw the ball 42 times. He completed 33 passes for 367 yards. However, he was sacked five times and he threw two picks. Um, Christian McCaffrey only ran the ball 18 times for 59 yards for an average of 3.3 yards per carry, but if you watch the Panthers at all last year, the Buccaneers really seemed to have a game plan dialed up for him. So, but he was still the most productive person on the offense. Um, receiver wise, DJ Moore led the team with eight with uh, 120 yards receiving for eight receptions. Robbie Anderson led the team with nine receptions and he had 109 yards receiving. So a lot of the production came from those two um, on defense. Carolina obviously surrendered 31 points. They did not get a single sack once again this week, though I felt like that we saw a little bit more pass pressure. Um, obviously, Dante Jackson got himself an interception. So, overall, not really a surprise as far as what we saw last week. I mean, Carolina was playing against a much better team this year from or this season from top to bottom. 
this game, Jesus Christ, this game from top to bottom against the Buccaneers, then the Raiders, um, they still managed to make it competitive. They still managed to make it entertaining. So I'm happy with it. Brad, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you can't really be mad that they lost because this is going to happen a lot this year. Uh, the Bucks are not terrible. They're not like Super Bowl contender like a lot of people think they are. Uh, just because they added Tom Brady, but they're not bad. They're probably the second best team in the division, uh, which is an improvement over previous years. And, you know, this defense for the Panthers, it's just not very good. Like we're going to give up 30 points a game a lot. And if the offense struggles at all, like we saw it do today, you're going to get results like what we got. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater cannot be a turnover machine. If we're going to have any chance at winning any game this year, he cannot turn the ball over. We brought him in specifically to not turn the ball over, and he threw two interceptions and fumbled once, and you you just can't have that. And the, the Bucks scored 17 points off of Teddy Bridgewater turnovers, which ended up being what changed the outcome of the game. Without those turnovers, it's it's possible that the Bucks don't score those 17 points, and it is possible that Carolina leaves with a win instead of a loss, and we could be 1-1 one one instead of 0-2. But overall, I'm not mad. Um, I'm not really even disappointed. I, I basically saw what I expected to see. I expected to see a young defense make a lot of mistakes. Uh, I expected to see them struggle. I expected to see the team lose, even though I didn't want them to. So, I mean, I still think the future's bright. I think that we need to we need to basically ignore just about every result that we see this year. We need to look at other things like how did Jeremy Chen play versus last week? How did Derek Brown play versus last week? Things like that, where we can see if there's a notable pattern of positive development for these young players. And unfortunately for Derek Brown, he had a bad day. Um, He had two penalties that ended up being costly and he just didn't have the same Uh, the same positive results that he had last week. So hopefully he can build on that and learn from it and we'll see improvement next week. But, you know, like I said, overall, I'm not mad. Uh, I'm not even going to get mad this year because there's nothing this team can do that can make me upset. Yeah, I kind of agree. I mean, like I, I actually expected Carolina to just like get destroyed after they because the the beginning of the game, they were really productive on their first drive after they stopped the Bucks in their first drive. and that was when the first turnover happened. It was like, uh, cause they were yeah. almost, they were in scoring distance. Like the yeah, worst, that, they were on like the 25 or something like that. Yeah. Like happened. they were going to get a field goal out of that drive at the very least, but they were, they were moving the ball real well. Then they turned the ball over. Then the Bucks scored. Then they turned over the ball again. Then the Bucks scored. And it was like, all right, we're going to, we're, we're getting a replay of last year with, with like Kyle Allen and you know, the Panthers fall behind and they can't really rebound, but they actually managed to stick with it, which that, that impressed me a little bit. Um, yeah, um, like I, I need to amend the statement I said. I said nothing they do can make me mad. If they quit, it'll make me mad. Yeah, um, which they clearly have not done. Like any team that goes down twenty-one to nothing like that quickly has a tendency to just roll over and play dead. And the Panthers didn't do that. They they fought back and they had a chance to win the game in the fourth quarter. They just couldn't put it together and do it. So I mean, 
like I said, I've said it numerous times in, in both in spoken word on this show and the other show and in written word on, on CSR, this team will have fight, they will have heart, they will have pride, and they will not quit. And that's something we should look for and be proud of. Yes, I agree. <clears throat> Let's start with some of the positives here. So um, I, 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 <laughs> we didn't get um, blown out. They didn't get blown out. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say, um, even though the Panthers did surrender 31 points on defense, um, obviously, as you stated, 17 of those came on turnovers. But really, like the defense did show up and they did make stops, and they did make like a, a, a few good plays. And I felt that they actually did well against the run against the Buccaneers, which, as we thought, they were the Buccaneers did run. Well, as we thought, we thought the Buccaneers were going to run the ball down their throats, and they did in the end of the game, but in the beginning when they weren't really like focused on running the ball, the Panthers defense actually did pretty well despite, you know, being down 21, nothing, but it was this also isn't a team. weird that they played so well against the run without K1 short in the lineup. Yeah. That, that was odd to me. It was odd. And I think it's, I think it has a little bit to do with the fact that I don't think the Buccaneers offensive line is that good. Um, but they... well, maybe Taewon Short is the problem with the run defense. <laughs> that could maybe, be it. You know, in a in a weird alternate universe that is 2020, maybe Taewon Short is the problem. Right. That could be I it. Don't I don't think mean, that's true, but no, I don't think that's true either. I think they just are starting to gel a little more. Um, obviously, there were stupid penalties by Derek Brown, by Tahir Whitehead. Um, you know, all across the board, there were dumb penalties that let the Bucks hold on to the ball. But overall, I mean, I wasn't overly disappointed with the Panthers defense. I mean, I fully expected the Bucks to come up and put like 40 points down on them easily. And yeah. uh, they had to really fight for those points, even with the turnovers. So yeah, there were um, also some bullshit penalties too. Um, yeah. I think it was, I think it was Dante Jackson got hit with a, a, a pass interference that was not pass interference. And uh, so, you know, overall it's, they responded well to adversity. I guess that's a positive. Uh, Brian Burns had a good day. Speaking yeah, Brian Burns is probably the only defender that stood out to me the entire day, to be honest. Like yeah. he was all over the place. He was pressuring the passer. Um, obviously, there still weren't any sacks, but I there was at least one. There was at least one or two third downs that were caused by him getting pressure, or I should yeah. say, forced downs. We didn't, downs we didn't caused. get any sacks, but we finally did get a quarterback hit. Like we didn't even have one of those last week, but we finally got right. one of those. So right. It ended up being on the play that with the when Dante Jackson intercepted Tom Brady, it was the same play. But you know, take the positives when you can. Right. The other thing that I want to point out real quick, as far as the positives go, um, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson are both like firing as far as Teddy Bridgewater goes. Um, there was one play where it was like I think it was third and seventeen, maybe it was second and seventeen, where like more was open and like one thing that I don't want to get into the negative at first, but so he was open and Teddy Bridgewater threw it behind him. But if, it, if Bridgewater had made a good throw, it would have been a first down. It would have been a key first down as well. It was part of them during their comeback. Um, it was like, he ran like a dig route or something like that. And uh, Bridgewater was under pressure. He threw it behind him. He more got his hand on it behind him, but the defender intercepted it. And uh, that turned into points for the Buccaneers. So, but 100 yards by two of your receivers is very good. They both caught 
at least eight passes. So I can see that they have good chemistry with, uh, with Teddy Bridgewater. So I liked that, but one, one thing I do have to address before we move on from DJ Moore, his dig routes are so just not good. No, they're not. <laughs> he he runs, he, he runs like a dig route is a, is a route in the NFL where you run, you might stem it inside or outside, but typically you run about 10 to 12 yards up the field and then you plant inside and go inside. And was it Rondé Barber on commentary today? Uh, it I was, think it was um, Amir. No, it was Mark Schlereth. And I can't remember the play-by-play guy. Well, whoever the guy was, he pointed this out, but Moore didn't run the dig route or he didn't commit to the deep part of the dig route. So the, the Buccaneers defender didn't turn his hips around so that for when the ball was thrown backward or throw behind DJ Moore, uh, the guy was able to make a play on it. But I saw it multiple times throughout the day. Like DJ Moore doesn't really like do a hard cut. He's more of a round off type of guy. And that's one of those things where it's real easy for a defender to trail you on that and possibly undercut it. So, but that wasn't really anything we're not new to. If you, if you ever like followed along with DJ Moore and his uh, draft coverage, he wasn't the best route runner. So, that's something he's going to have to clean up. But overall, I mean, I'm happy with the wide receivers today. Um, I think that I think that really the, the the downfalls of the offense come from the offensive line not being able to consistently protect Deddy Bridgewater and him not making great throws all the time. Yeah, to bail DJ Moore out just a little bit, even though that route was bad, uh, it was a terrible throw. Oh, yeah, like, even though the route was bad, if it had been thrown right, it would have been a first down, regardless. Yeah, it was like, still a terrible throw. I mean, DJ yeah. needs to clean that up, but it, it it was mostly on Teddy for making a bad throw. And the other uh, interception, I still don't know what he was trying to do with it when he threw it. I, he threw it straight to the defender. It looked like it was supposed to be a screen to Christian McCaffrey, but he threw it, like, eight miles over his head. Like, I still don't know what he was trying to do. Well, but. he was trying to throw it over, over Ndamukong Sue. Well, he certainly did. So, yeah, he I mean, he, I, I he guess, definitely cleared him. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's that. That's a positive, but yeah. you know, it just it. Hopefully, it it's just one one game, and we can see some improvement next week. I mean, I I'm not worried about the offense because I think they have enough pieces to actually put something together. Uh, it's the defense that I'm long term am, am concerned about. So, hopefully you know, we don't see this continuing to happen. Yeah. And I agree. I mean, like you even saw it on the Buccaneers side, you know, there were times where, where Brady was like way off with his receivers. Like, I think it's just a matter of the, of the offense getting acclimated with one another and Bridgewater getting acclimated with the timing. Cause a lot of the NFL that people don't realize is that there's like, obviously, you know, you, you can, you can understand what a dig route is, what a post route is, what a slant route is, but in the NFL, there's every single offense is different. And the timing on those throws is different, especially between players. A lot of times it's more so feeling out the space in the zones. So that's the kind of thing that just comes with experience. And obviously with this whole crazy off season, you know, there wasn't a lot of experience with that. So I think those kind of mistakes will be cleaned up over time. Um, so I'm not too worried about it either. Like you said, it wasn't a great outing for Teddy Bridgewater, but I still felt he made some decent throws. I think what really needs to happen for the offense to succeed is they need to put on tapes that they can throw down the field consistently because it seemed like the Buccaneers really tightened down on the short passing game after like the first few drives. So, yeah, but that'll come with time. I'm not too worried about it. As far as the defense goes, obviously we want to see more pass rush. We want to see, um, 
more consistency from the linebackers, especially you to hear Whitehead, you son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> it's what's clear to me right now is that James Bradbury's presence is missed on this defense, though, regardless of whether it's a new coaching staff and a new defensive coordinator and all that jazz. Like they do not have a number one corner. And that's why Mike Evans tore him apart today. Yeah. Dante Jackson for as many good, things that he does he's a number two corner he's not a number one corner he's actually a very good number two corner in my opinion yes too. he's a he's a very good number two corner but he's not a good number one corner they need yeah. another number one corner opposite dante jackson if they want to compete yeah they need a guy who can shut down julio jones mike evans michael thomas you know those guys and they don't have that right now yeah my my way too early pre- draft prediction is uh, even though the offensive line is not great right now, um, I think their number one target in the next draft needs to be a defensive back, needs to be a corner. They drafted well, like six safeties in this draft, so I think they're fine there. But it it depends because if we continue at the current trajectory, we're going to draft Trevor Lawrence number one overall, and <laughs> that you know the the corner can wait. But you know for we're for not those as bad as the, the Jets. For those who are in the tank for Trevor crowd, you know, we, we showed today that we might actually be competing with the Jets and the Jaguars to draft Trevor Lawrence. So, you know, there's always hope for tomorrow in that regard. That's true. I'm kind of looking at it like I just after watching this team play, I just don't see enough to make me think that they're going to be in contention for one of the top two picks. No, I, just don't I see think it. they're yeah, they're a five and eleven team that'll probably pick fifth to eighth somewhere in there, like the the Chargers and the Dolphins were last year. That's what I see this team being. Yeah, I they mean have they just too have... much fight in them to only win one game. Like they they don't have the the give up trait that I see in teams that only win zero to three games. So, well, you also see teams that are typically trying to find that trying to like tank for that player, which there's an argument to be made about whether any team really tanks quote unquote, but they're not trading away talent. They have a ton of talent. They've stuck with two, two, two like pretty well uh, stacked teams as far as talent goes in the last two weeks. Um, I just think they're going to steal. They're going to, they're going to find a way to steal wins from teams. They shouldn't beat like the Buccaneers today. For example, they absolutely could have beaten them. If like yeah, one oh, or absolutely. two balls go a different we're way. Going to, we're going to beat somebody we have no business beating. And it's probably going to end up costing that team a, a playoff seed or a home game or something like that. Like I'm te- I'm thinking like we beat, you know, the Packers or somebody like that, you know, not necessarily the Packers, but somebody on that level, we're going to steal one from one of those teams. Right. Because this defense does enough to make to make stops where I think if the offense actually like gets on a gets on a rhythm and actually like doesn't make stupid mistakes, they'll actually put up like 30 points and do decent, you know, and obviously it remains to be seen what's going to happen with Christian McCaffrey, though. My way too early and non medically informed take is that I think that he like probably like rolled his ankle or something. They were just being safe with him. Because yeah, there's no reason to throw him back in that back game. Win. Yeah, they knew yeah. they weren't going to come back and win. So they, there's no reason to get him hurt. Because he was on the sideline. They were taping up his ankle, but he didn't seem overly distraught or anything like that. He seemed fine. I think they just said, you know what? We're deactivating you for the rest of the game. We are not. We can't afford to lose you for the whole season. That was yeah. just my take on it. Yeah, and for all of you, why is Mike Davis still on the roster, people? Mike Davis earned his paycheck by filling in. He actually did pretty decent in limited action. So there's that. 
Yeah, if you have Christian McCaffrey as your fantasy RB1, you should definitely be looking at Mike Mike Davis as your handcuff because uh, he, he showed today that he's going to be, if he actually has to step into that role, that he can do it. Or he's yeah. gonna he's gonna do at least something that's warranting fantasy production. So, uh, the only other thing that I'd like to touch on is uh, Leonard Fournette. <laughs> so John isn't here to defend himself, so we should probably save most of the boasting for this coming week when we do keep sounding. But man, John is an idiot for saying all that stuff he said about Leonard Fournette, right? I know. Like, I mean, imagine agreeing with John about Leonard Fournette. Yeah, like, just imagine that. Imagine somebody doing that. Imagine thinking Leonard Fournette is a bottom-tier running back in the NFL after he just ran for 103 yards on 12 carries for 8.6 yards per carry and two touchdowns against the Panthers' defense. Just imagine. Just imagine. And to be fair to John and his spreadsheets, um, Leonard Fournette gained most of those yards on the last play that the Bucks had from scrimmage, where I want to say it was Tahir Whitehead made the arguably the worst defensive adjustment I have ever seen when he tried to contain the edge on that play. And Fournette ran for what looked like 120 yards at the end of the game. I know it wasn't that much because it was an onside kick recovery and whatnot, but, you know, I mean, he looked like Walter Payton out there. Yeah. Yeah, that was where that we were I was sitting there like, you know, maybe that maybe they can make a stop here and then that happened. I was like, okay. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, as soon as I saw him start running in the open field, I went ahead and wrote the post game review and just put the final <laughs> score at thirty one to seventeen and just waited for the, the clock to hit zero to hit publish because I knew yeah. the game was over. I mean it, it was the final nail in the coffin and it just I just can't believe that John would say something like Leonard Fournette is, is bad. Yeah. What a horrible, horrible take to horrible, have. About... Horrible take to have. It's crazy. And you can, you can go back and, and listen to last week's keep sounding podcast. Me and you both told him that was a dumb idea and he just, yes, he wouldn't listen to either one of us. And no, he just, would not listen to reason. A man is reasonable. As John. Reason. It's just terrible. I mean, I will say, and granted, this is probably something that we'll cover on the Keep Sounding podcast, which, by the way, check that out later this week. But it looks like, did the Falcons actually? Yep, they blew the lead against the Cowboys. Oh, they did? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, what was the, what, what What were they up by? Hold on, let me go find They the were up 20 to nothing at the beginning of the game. Oh, my God. They were up. At halftime, they were up twenty-nine to ten, and they lost thirty-nine to forty. They lost oh. forty to thirty-nine after being up twenty to nothing. Oh my God! Yeah, I just I just happened <laughs> to hop on Twitter as the social media Cesar, and I see that the Falcoholic just says, "I would like to die." So I was shout like, out okay. to shout out to our friends at the Falcoholic. We're we're yeah. sorry. Uh, well, at least, at least it's not that bad. Like, yeah, it could... Panthers fans, that's, that's plenty of reason for optimism right there. At least we didn't do that. Well, on top of that, like, I don't like, okay. First of all, before I even say this, let me preface this. Cause I was seeing tweets from people saying fire Matt rule on Twitter. First of all, it's been two fucking really? weeks. Yeah. People are it's... already saying fire Matt rule. Yeah. It's been two goddamn weeks in the Get new regime. Priorities straight. This is a long-term rebuild. It's not. It's not a turnaround of two weeks. This team is not good. It's 
you know, Vince Lombardi couldn't win with this team. Like it's nothing with Matt rule. This is a bad football team that has to be rebuilt from the ground up. It takes time. Now, if we're still this bad in two years, then you can start saying fire Matt rule, but damn, give him some time. Right. But uh, any Panthers fan, obviously watching the game today, like if any rational Panthers fan anyway, should like, even though you might, you would probably be rooting for Carolina to win anyway, because that's how sports work. And we, we root for our team regardless of logic. So that makes sense. But at least, at least like we like know that Carolina is not going to be good this year and they're not going to the playoffs. Most likely like, you know, we, we know they're not, they're not supposed to be a good team. We're like the Falcons have been trying to be a good team for God knows how many years now since 2016 and yes, it's funny when they lose because they're trying to win. Yes, they are. And they had their loss last week against the, against uh, who was it? The, the Seahawks and Russell Wilson, like hung them out to dry. And then they had a chance to beat the Cowboys this week. They really should have. And they blew the lead again. <laughs> so just take some solace in the fact that at least like you watched an entertaining game where Carolina definitely shouldn't have won. And for a brief moment, you thought maybe they had a chance where, with the Falcons, it's like they should have won that game. They absolutely should have. They blew another lead. Roll on the memes. Roll on the crying Jordans. It's it's just good the fa- stuff. The Falcons and blowing big leads name a better duo. Yeah. And I it's say really that great. with full knowledge and expectation that they will beat the crap out of us when we play them on Thursday night football this year. Oh yeah, they will. It's that that's a foregone conclusion at this point. Yes. But Carolina's but, not but, supposed but to be for good. Right so now, we'll I can that. laugh at them. Yes. Enjoy the laughs while you can. But it's gonna be a long season, but I think that if you if you approach the games with the right mindset, which I think we have been, you know, just watching for the positives, watching for the stuff that really gives you a, an idea of what the future looks like for Carolina, I think you can have a good time watching the games. Exactly. I, I know I did. Yes, me too. For the I first still enjoy time watching years, Christian McCaffrey. I, I enjoy watching football again, and it's because I've changed what my expectations are. I'm not expecting them to win every game. I'm just expecting them to not be an embarrassment. Yep, that's where I'm at too. And like I, I enjoy watching Christian McCaffrey being the best goddamn offensive weapon in the NFL. Don't at me. And I enjoy watching Brian Burns continue to to uh move forward and produce as a great athlete on the defense, you know, it's stuff like that where like, you know, you just, you just like hone in on that kind of stuff. And you're like, damn, they might be good in a few years. So it's, it's worth it. You know, it'll be worth it. I mean, we, we suffered through um, the pre Cam Newton era with Jake Delhomme and his arm falling off and Jimmy Clausen and Matt Moore and all that jazz. And we got to see Cam Newton play. We got to see Cam Newton for the many years that he played here and that was all worth it. Even though they didn't win a Super Bowl, we had a few years where they were really, really, really good. So that's the kind of stuff that I, I, I take that kind of stuff as an experience and know that this is going to point towards something positive. Whether it turns into Trevor Lawrence, whether it turns into Teddy Bridgewater and you know becoming an actual franchise quarterback, who the hell knows? But good things are on the horizon. I think this team is in the right place. I agree. Yeah. And you got to let Matt Rule in there and his coaching staff grow as well because yep. stuff like that fake punt when everybody knew it was coming, not great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, okay, we got to talk about that. Yeah, I was, I was, right. was, was going to sign off, but I forgot about that, and I do want to yeah, talk about I it mean, as well. Yeah, I mean, I'll be brief. I like the concept of a fake punt. 
out of nowhere. And I like the idea of Jeremy Chin being the guy that you go to on the fake punt. All of that was good. The bad was it was fourth and one on like the 30 yard line and everybody and their mom knew that you were not going to punt that ball. So if you're going to go for it and that in that spot, just keep your offense out on the field and go for it. Like I would have rather seen them run the same Alex Arma play that failed against the Raiders than do that fake punt. Because at the very least that would have been more surprising. Yeah, those are my thoughts exactly, which if you don't follow us on cats on a Twitter, follow at cat scratch reader without the last E on reader. Um, but that was exactly what I tweeted. I was like, I would have rather just see them actually go for it. Um, yeah, just, just go for it. Don't try to outthink yourself. And I mean, now if they're closer to midfield, yeah, the fake punts probably better because there, there's a chance you're going to punt there. But when you're at 35 yards away from the end zone, nobody's going to punt except Ron Rivera. So right. why even put up the false pretense that you're going to? You're banking on that Bruce Arians has forgotten that Ron Rivera isn't your head coach anymore, and that's not a exactly. great strategy. Yeah, and that's not a good strategy because Bruce Arians is one of the more intelligent, observational coaches in the league. So that's not not a good strategy. So. On top of that, Matt Rule wasn't even wearing a mask. He, he was wearing one of those like protective face He's shields. You could totally see his face. face shield. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was wearing that face shield. So there's no way you could fool him into thinking that's Ron Rivera. No way. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think like. I think that's just one of those things where it's like Matt rule wants to be aggressive. And I, I think they're kind of just testing out stuff and kind of putting, giving themselves some experience as far as running those plays and what goes wrong and what goes right. Cause like in the end, like even though fans don't want to hear this, this is a tryout year for Matt rule as far yeah, as like just, seeing what works and what doesn't. So just like treat this like a 16 game preseason and just see what happens. So like, it makes sense for Matt rule to run that, even though to all of us were like, well, he shouldn't have done that. Everybody in the NFL would have seen it coming. But you gotta have to you have to see some kind of live game film of how that's gonna work. So now yeah, you he has gotta, an yeah, idea. You gotta put everything on film. So just treat this like the preseason, just run everything like it wouldn't surprise me to see, you know, we're down twenty-one to fourteen and we score a touchdown to with like two seconds left. It wouldn't shock me to see him go for two. Like, that's kind of what I expected, actually, if they, yeah, did, like, they did just, manage to tie up. You know, who cares? Like, just go for it. This can be our, like, when you're 17 or 18 years old and you get your first car or whatever. Just fuck it. Just do whatever. Keep talking. There's an alarm going off, so I don't want to. Oh, okay. I was like, what? Did, did my mic cut off or whatever? But okay. Um but yeah, I mean, I just I I want to see Matt Rule do crazier and crazier things as the year goes on. I hope that that at the very least, if they're not going to be very competitive and they're not going to win very many games, I hope they at least make it watchable and enjoyable. Because football's supposed to be fun. Yeah, I agree. Football's supposed to be fun. I apologize for the siren in the background, guys. Where I live, whenever <laughs> there's a fire engine that goes off, they have this fallout style siren that just goes off. So. Um, anyway, that sounds like it's time for us to sign off. Yeah, <laughs> that's they're, they're, uh, well, the world is coming to an end. Apparently, Matt Rule losing his first two games does bring the apocalypse with it. Yeah, I agree. Well, from all of us here at the B&B game reaction show, was it? Yeah. B&B reaction show. This is Brian and Brad Bradley and the brain.
Bradley in the brain. God, I hate that. Um, <laughs> Bradley in the brain. We'll, we'll be here for you again next week to break down the uh, Panthers and who are they playing? The Chargers. The Chargers. Ooh. It's the four, four o'clock game next week, too, y'all. So it'll be a little later than usual. That's fine. I'll actually be in North Carolina as well. So oh, okay. that should be fun. Yeah. I'll be at Top Still Island. So, but yeah, check us out this upcoming week on the BNB Reaction Show. And obviously, check out the Keep Sounding podcast. That's your weekly episodic edition of our regular podcast with John. And, yeah, we'll t- and we will roast John for having bad Leonard Fournette opinions that yes. neither one of us agreed with. Exactly. The worst Leonard Fournette opinions. So probably be about 45 minutes of John apologizing to us for having those opinions. And then we'll break down the Chargers game for you. But stay tuned. Obviously, if you can, if you like listening to us, make sure to like and subscribe to whatever your favorite platform is for listening to your podcasts. And we'll be with you again soon. Take care, guys.